Who wants to tell you who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Java Chat. We have a special guest today talking about a, a subject that I haven't talked about in a long time. Um, I'll let him explain it more, but his name is Norman Plotkin. Uh, Norman, thanks for joining us, and welcome to Java Chat. Great to be here. Awesome. Uh, he, he was a public policy consultant and lobbyist for like 25 years, uh, and then all of a sudden had like a real shift <laughs> in life uh and i'm gonna let him explain that but um uh this this is a subject that i have personal experience with and that's one of the reasons why i wanted him to come on here um because it actually worked for me it, in comparison to what he's had it worked for me in a very small way <laughs> for him how it's worked you guys are going to enjoy this so um once again welcome norman if you wouldn't mind give us a little bit of, of your story like how you're not doing that anymore. You're obviously doing something completely different now. So how did it all happen? What's, what's, the, what's the story, man? Well, I, uh, I got a, out of high school. I went in the Marine Corps and uh, thank you for your service very much. You. Appreciate you. Yeah. And, uh, and I worked in the oil fields and the rock plant, like Fred Flintstone making little rocks. Out of nice rocks. And then, and then, um, and then I had a life changing event. My brother was killed in a car accident and I oh. uh, had a wake up call. So I, um, I went back to school and I was on fire. I was 25 and hungry on my way to law school. Um, went to college at Sac State here in the state capital nice, of California. Nice. And uh, got, first semester there, I got a job as a clerk in the legislature. And, Jeez. And uh, it's all rolling good so far. Well, this is a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I was a Marine. I was yep, in a place by storm, right? That's so, right. Uh, so, you know, the clerk led to consultant, led to, I ran campaigns, I uh, did the policy consulting, I was the health health committee and insurance committee policy consultant in the state assembly. Then I went to work as a lobbyist for the medical association. And then nice. after a few years, I started my own firm and I had my own firm for uh, 12, 12 and a half years and uh -huh. I represented uh, clients um, before the legislature. So I loved the public policy. Yeah. Uh, I loved the strategy. Uh, I hated the politics. I mean, I, you got to know the politics. Like I said, I ran campaigns and uh, you got to know how they get there and the politics and whatnot. Uh, in I, don't, I don't think anybody ever really enjoys the politics of anything. Um, yeah, there's in some, all honesty. Yeah. There's, there's some uh, interesting people out there. But <laughs> yeah. It's the politics is kind of, if for, for chief for a Marine, you're really nice. <laughs> yeah. For, <laughs> For, for, uh, for a policy guy <laughs> for a policy you know, guy <laughs> yeah i was a, i was a, i was a policy guy you know there's lobbyists who are kind of smarmy and then there's, <sighs> there's there's the political types that are few that really do enjoy you know the the conventions and yeah, the yeah. there are i i we we both know many of them i, I think yeah. <laughs> another subject for another time please keep yeah. going <laughs> yeah especially these days right yeah. so <laughs> so um i just the money and the just correct you know, it's, it's just, it was too much. I'm sure it was too much. Um, and it, it wasn't congruent with my 
soul's purpose. I now I, I understand now. I didn't know it at the time. Right, right. Uh, and so I, you know, I got sick and, Ooh. you know, and it, it, it was slow. It, it came on over a couple of years. I, you know, I was, I, I played ice hockey and, you know, suddenly I, I, I couldn't keep up. And, wow. Uh, I didn't have any interest in riding my mountain bike. And so I, I had a good doctor who, who followed it along and did the right tests and, and caught it early. Um, just, just so you guys know, as a point of reference, for those that don't understand how in shape you have to be to play hockey, because um, I've, I've had a couple of friends and holy crap, the amount of, of stamina you have to have to be able to maneuver like they do on the ice. It's insane. Yeah, I mean the goalies. Much. The goalies have have just as much a hard time because that's a lot of weight. Oh yeah, it's uh, insane. It's two minutes uh, with your hair on fire and then get off. Yeah, and two minutes to rest, and so it's real spiky. And we had a team called the Capital Hacks. It was a bunch of guys from the Capital. Nice, and, uh, nice. And, the Capital and, Hacks. That's fun. And, and the men's league plays at eleven p.m. Mm. You know, after the kids are done and the yeah, and the figure skaters and everything, and so. I, I lobbied all day and, and played hockey. And then, of course, you got to have a so, so you So you basically double-stressed yourself, first mentally and then physically. <laughs> yeah. And, and that physical that physical was, you know, was really good. It was a good – Oh, yeah. It was a good let off the steam kind of – because it's, it's really physical. You go yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Again, I've got friends that do it, and I'm, I look at them. I'm going, yep, nope, it's all you, bro. I'm going to sit yeah. over here and just watch. I love it. Yeah. But so you, that was, that yeah, was kind of, was kind of uh, how I, I figured it out was – I. I couldn't keep up. And so I'm like, doc, what's going on? It's like, so they, they uh, measured me and, and tested me for two years until uh, they sent me to another doctor who sent me to another doctor who poked a big needle in me, who sent me back to, to sent me to a surgeon. I'm four doctors in before they said the word. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cancer. So I had papillary carcinoma and uh, with this thyroid cancer. Yeah. The surgeon yeah. said, and he had, he, the surgeon said, uh, and he sends me this, you know, Xerox copy of what of the tattered, you know, explanation of it and says, <laughs> you know, Tuesday. I'm like, Tuesday. And Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, doc. Yeah, Lots of time right? to plan. Okay. What the hell? I, message received. This is serious. I got mm. it. So, uh, so I, I dutifully followed direction and I had the surgery. They had a radical thyroidectomy and a lymph node dissection and, uh, radiation and <sighs> when they, you know the thyroid controls everything and so, yeah 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 you know, so, so they whipsawed me between hypo and hyperthyroid and getting my and then scanning me and then radiating me you know the radiation the doctor comes in with a little lead pipe with a lid on it sets yeah. it down and leaves the room and says don't take the lid off until i leave right so that's that's a real uh and then i had to be sequestered for three days so jeez so i just wanted to get back to normal Right, which was drinking too much and eating rich food and uh, eating stress biscuits, you know. And I didn't realize that, that normal is what made me sick. I'm I'm still I'm still trying to get over the doc saying don't take the lid off before until I leave. I'm like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, I know, right? Because I, I actually I have a friend um, who's advanced in age now, and she had like the full, she had the full scale radiation on her throat. She had the same thing, uh -huh. and. She, they, I think they overdid it with her because um, now she's like she's shutting down. Um, she's much advanced in age. She's in like almost 70s, I think, at this point. Um, it's hard to watch. 
You know, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that can be done for somebody like that at this advanced stage, but at least she doesn't have the cancer. But now it's like, how do you live? I know. There's See, there's a whole host of other things that come along with the program. They give you just enough information to understand the high, uh, um, high propensity therapies. Okay, this is so this is what they do. Um, and they stick to they stick to this. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't let them take my thyroid. So, so cool that you said that because from that time you've literally moved beyond that into other therapies obviously so where did that start i mean how did that happen so um it, initially i didn't hear that whisper i didn't hear the call mm-hmm. i was like i was going to get back right back to normal yeah. And, yeah, yeah yeah and so this next scan six months later showed up again and on my 48th birthday i was Wait, i thought they i thought they got rid of it all didn't they, they pull everything they 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 cut it they cut my thyroid and, some, and lymph nodes and but then six months later the scan showed and it, it's, it's even worse there was a struggle between my doctor and the radi, the radi, you know the rate the nuclear medicine doctors about whether they had you know, take me off the thyroid medication completely and make me go hypothyroid for a period of time and like whoa yeah that would really drop you yeah, yeah no I mean, doubt no you doubt you know what i'm saying so yeah there was this struggle between my doctors and i'm just so on my 40th birth, 48th birthday i was radiated for a second time and that's when that's when um fear creeped in for the first time i didn't know fear i didn't know i was only five foot seven until you know <laughs> Wait, you're my height? Yeah, we're giants. Don't don't even sweat I, that, buddy. Yeah, but I didn't. I, I'm six feet tall in my mind. You know, that's, I rode, that's straight. We are. That, I that's was a exactly marine. Right. I rode bulls as a kid. You know, that's so, right. <laughs> but, but when the cancer came back, that's when I knew I tasted fear for the first mm. time. Kind of like you know the mother of all esophageal yeah. reflux. You can't get it out of that taste out of your mouth. And so yeah. that's when I knew I had to make changes. And listen, my my marriage didn't survive it. The, the impact on your family, my my children yeah, were it's, afraid. My, it's devastating. My ex took pills and you know drank too much and you know so um and so i had a friend who'd gotten out of politics and opened a yoga studio and she took me through therapeutic yoga for cancer nice and i learned to meditate which was not you know my analytical mind made me you know great as a policy analyst and but it also you know can do you know terrible things to you at 10 o'clock at night when there's no doctor there to answer oh yeah you know yeah how how long did it take for you to get used to that because that from a from an analytical mind to a meditative mind is that's not just a 180 switch that's like a complete lifestyle change it, it was a complete lifestyle change and i, yeah. I learned about ayurveda and my dosha uh-huh. for my uh-huh. constitution and yeah uh the the meditation was uh fairly quick because i was in this awful place yeah and yeah, it, was, it was get a get a hold of this monkey mind now yeah. or it's gonna be ugly so I learned to meditate. I, I learned about Ayurveda, and um, I started reading Wayne Dyer, Carolyn Meese. Nice, nice. Yeah, good, good. Totally. So you know, teachers began to appear. I attended a Hay House conference in in Pasadena, cool. and, and in 2015 saw Wayne Dyer speak. He was he was on for an hour. He spoke for three. No one left. You know, and no one. So, no, when he talks, nobody nobody leaves the room. No, yeah. him, Eckert, same same thing. Everybody wants to see see what they got. Yeah, I know exactly. So the teachers began to appear, and um, I kind of asked the universe for direction to mm-hmm. put myself into the service of others after mm-hmm. reading Dyer's book, The Power of Intention. Yeah, and uh, you know, my my goal was instead of helping corporations and politicians now to put myself into the service of others. Yeah. 
And within weeks of making that decision, I, I was in LA at the time and I, I learned about this college for hypnotherapy. It's the only nationally accredited school for hypnotherapy in the States. And um, it was right there in the valley where I was living. So um, my girlfriend at the time knew someone who had gone there. So we had dinner and we talked about it and, and I, I started. So, so where were you at the, at the part of, of the, the journey defeating the cancer? Because you, you've obviously now have been meditating. You have learned a whole bunch of stuff. Were you, were you still in the midst of fighting that or were you about done with it? Well, 2011 was the surgery, the uh-huh. diagnosis and the surgery. 2012 uh-huh. was the second round of radiation. Uh-huh. In 2013, I moved to LA and uh, to get away from the drama and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I closed down my business <clears throat> and um, divorced and. And, um, and so I would, so that was 2013. I was in LA. That's when 2015, the Mm -hmm. house conference Mm -hmm. and, um, all of these things. And so, um, so you still, you were still dealing with it at that, at that time. It was, there were still remnants of it. Well, I will for the rest of my life. I have to take a pill. I got you. I got you. I got you. But I'm, I'm nine years from the surgery Uh and, um, I had some lymph node activity a while back, but I, I saw an acupuncturist, and, you know, with herbs and acupuncture. <laughs> I love hearing this. Yeah. I love hearing this. Yeah, I think I think there's so much that's dismissed over. Uh, the allopathics love doing the anecdotal explanation, which to me, forgive me, but that's just a hawk of crap. Uh, I, yeah. I grew up around that stuff. Me, me being from Hawaii acupuncture, herbology, things of that nature. Um, being half Hawaiian, we have a whole thing around around herbology, Chinese medicine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I've actually seen smaller things. I won't say cured, but I've seen smaller things go away yeah. utilizing those those modalities. Um, so I know they work. Um, I, think, I, think a, I think a portion of it is the ability of somebody to understand and not accept, what's the word? Be open to, to things working because um, your mind can shut off any modality that it wants to. You can, you can shut off allopathic if you want to as well. I mean, our, our brains are so damn – since we're going into hypnotherapy, that's why I'm saying this. Yes. Your brain is so damn strong. It can make you sick. It can make you healthy. What are you willing to believe? And, and, and unfortunately, because of the way we're raised, we don't believe a lot. You know, we believe kind of like what we're told to believe, which is not necessarily a real safe space, even though they try to make it a safe space, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's big money. I, mean, yeah. I, I was a lobbyist for the medical association. I represent. Uh, so, you, so, you know, <laughs> I know. Pharma, pharma underwrites everything. Yes. Of, you know, them and the insurance the- companies. It was, it was such a it was such a weird revelation when I learned that insurance companies write coverages according to the region's issues. So like, like in, like in Hawaii, um, dental is a big issue and their policies are written very weak out there just because they know there's going to be a lot of claims on, on bad teeth. It's just how it goes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and everything that goes along with that. But, um, so you, you've moved into, you, you went to the, the school for hypnotherapy. You, how long did that take to get through? Uh, that was a year and a half. And, uh, and you've gotten your certifications, you've gotten, and now you have a different kind of practice is what I'm hearing. I do. I have a different kind of practice. And, you know, it's, it's difficult to start off 
you know, I had to straddle two worlds. I, mm. I, I worked briefly with a former client. I covered 16 Western States as a, a lobbyist and I Jeez, did dude. nights and weekends. And, and then, uh, and then I was ready to launch and I, and I did it for a while, but I moved around. I had, you know, life, it just gives it happens. You opportunities, right? Yeah. I, I see how, see how you frame that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Life yeah. <laughs> my mom got sick and I, I moved uh, in with her to take care of her for the last year of her life. And it was what a, what a privilege that you yeah. know, she brought me in and I was able to help her out. And my, within a year, my dad had a stroke. And oh. so, so within a year's time, I took care of both of my parents and uh, what a blessing and an opportunity. Had I been that self-important lobbyist, I never would have had the opportunity yeah. to, to do that. I was in the right place. And I feel like I fulfilled a soul contract with my parents. And, and so then um, I moved back to Sacramento and I, was, I, wrote, I had written a book, uh, Take Charge of Your Cancer, The Seven Proven Steps to Healing and Recovery. And I was working for my publisher. Oh. And so I was, again, straddling two worlds. I was, because I was moving around. It allowed me to work remotely and, do, and practice hypnotherapy on the side. And so I did that for a couple of years. And uh, so I'm, but I went, I went all in uh, last year. I've been doing this for six years and wow. um, uh, many uh, thousands of hours uh, and seen a lot of stuff and I, and I, and I love it. But, um, but that's, that was the journey uh, to the hypnosis. Now the power of the mind, my interest in the power of the mind was, you know, born of my cancer experience, right? So I learned about the placebo effect and the mm -hmm. nocebo effect and mm -hmm. the power mm -hmm. of positive thinking, right? And through my meditation uh, and imagery, imagery journeys, uh, you can paint whatever picture you want, right? So we're going to, I want to, I want to talk about that on the last section, imagery painting, because I, I think there's some serious power in doing that kind of stuff. It's kind of akin to visualization if I'm, if I'm hearing that correctly. So yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get into that. We're going to take a quick short break, you guys, so 30 seconds. Um, we'll be back uh, to talk a little bit more about what motivates and inspires Norman to get up and go do this every day. All right, so 30 seconds. We'll be and right we're back. back here, Java Chat, sitting here having a conversation uh, with Norman Plotkin, uh, who was just sharing his, his journey uh, dealing with one of the least favorite C words in the language that I, that I speak, which is called cancer. Um, because in some way or another, every one of us by now has been touched by it. Uh, he was touched by it personally. Um, but he also has moved beyond the C word and has come into um, some greater realities. I'd, I'd like to say it that way. Some, some wonderful greater realities. Um, even after having to deal with um, playing the balancing of the spinning plates, he's now full-time into hypnotherapy and one of the things that we do in the second section of our show <clears throat> is we always talk about what motivates you, what, what inspires you, who have you, who have you followed, what lessons have you learned, and you know whether it's a book or it's a it's a person. He mentioned earlier he he went down to listen to Wayne Dyer and he's he's found Eckhart Tolle and you mentioned one more name, but give us an idea of like you know these are the these were the beginning inspirations I'm sure of a, of an awakening of sorts, um, and and. Why do you do this? What I mean, I, I get the servant part, but why? Well, you know, you can read Eckhart Tolle's uh, Awakening to Your Essential Purpose 10 mm -hmm. times, still not fully understand it. I, yeah. had to, I had to review my cancer in the context of, you know, what was the message of the cancer? Right. And what I, in the rear, rear view mirror, uh, I can see that I wasn't living my soul's purpose. And mm -hmm. 
then it took me some time to figure out, well, what the heck is my soul's purpose? And I meditated uh, a lot on it. And, um, you know, I wanted to write about my cancer story and, and I tried really hard for three years and then I got a coach and and she helped me get it done in you know, 90 days. And um, <laughs> that's and so, awesome. I know, right? <laughs> the power of focused attention. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and when my book was published, my son, who was 14 or 15 at the time, saw a five-star review on Amazon from a woman who had bought it for her mother who had uh, breast cancer and wrote glowingly uh, and thankfully about That's it. That's awesome. And so my son saw it and screenshot it and texted it to me. And I said, you know, if one person is better because I wrote the book, then the whole cancer was worth it. And so that's, that's kind of it. Um, when I, people come in and it's never for what it's really about. Yeah. It's always something larger and they've been dealing with longer. And yeah. the symptom is the thing that they finally uh, brought them in and they've tried everything else. And so when I connect dots for them from their own life, mm -hmm. they, there's a sense of relief that there's nothing wrong with them, that they're, that they're normal and they're human and what they've experienced is true and they don't need a pill or a surgery. What they needed was someone to listen and put it into context. How deep do you have to dig when you do this kind of stuff? Interestingly, um, I don't know whether it's my intuition and I've always been sensitive. Imagine how hard that was being a Marine and feeling other people's feelings, right? But um, they weren't issued to you. How could you? Exactly. <laughs> we wanted you to have feelings. We didn't. <laughs> so I, I, I have, I've found a way to focus my intuition. Uh, and, but there's also patterns when you've been doing this for a while, you, you know, I, I go right to it. I, I immediately take a family history and I go to their childhood and family dynamics and the experiences of childhood are always going to give me the things i had a client who had fibromyalgia for mm. nine years wow he tried everything including acupuncture <clears throat> and the doctors it, she used to work for the medical association she works in the legislature she's got great medical care and right. the doctor said you have this bucket of symptoms it equals this diagnosis Here's pain pills. That's all we can do is make the pain go away. <sighs> then she had an eight-year struggle with opioids. Yeah, no kidding. And it didn't do anything but mask the symptoms. Yeah. So I, um, I did a history with her. She grew up on the other side of the tracks, but she overcame all of that and yeah. went to school, became a professional, lives, you know, a power woman in a man's world, and mm -hmm. and um, but she, she had gone through a divorce. And she'd been in the Air Force. She was tough as nails. But she was an emotional marshmallow. And so what she did was when she went through this divorce, she somatized that emotional pain. It was too much for her emotions, yeah. but not for her strong body. So she somatized that pain in, in, into her body and it became this collection of symptoms that was categorized and diagnosed as fibromyalgia. Jeez. When I asked her if she was ready to give it up, 
she was cynical and said, well, if I could give it up, I would have done it a long time ago. I said, if you could, would you? And she said, yes. And once she was willing, I, you know, I used, you walked her through it. I walked her through. I used the power of hypnotherapy to have her release it and let it go. And then I gave her back in hypnosis, all the things she said she was going to do if it was gone and had her envision it and imagine it. And she got her life back. She's all over social media now. She, she, she didn't go anywhere. I, a week later, I, I gave her two weeks and then I checked back in. I said, you ready for your next session? She goes, yeah. And I'm holding my breath to find out what it was. Right. <laughs> and she said, I said, what do you want to work on? She said, motivation. I've been sleeping in and you know depressed for so long. I got to re relearn how to live my life. And so I was like, yeah. Ooh. right. So yeah. isn't it amazing um, how people lose their identity when they have that kind of pain holding them down? Like literally what I just heard was, I don't know who I am now. Because I've held everything in this this identity that I've been dealing with. Now I don't know what to do. I mean, yeah. is that is that indicative of most of the clients that you come across? Oh yeah, our stories are important. Carolyn Meese was the other one who I referenced. M Y S S. Her book, The Anatomy of the Spirit. Okay. Was another big one. Also, she's on YouTube. You can see a YouTube video of her uh, called "Why We Don't Heal." We hold on to these stories. Yeah. We all know people who post on Facebook about their diverticulitis or their, you know, their, or whatever malady yep. that they have. And, yep. they, and, yep. and so what do we get? There's a thing called secondary gain. You get something. And you, so we hold on to our stories. And what I ask always is, are you ready to write a new story? There's a saying, I, I think it was Hippocrates. I can't remember now. It's just uh, matters less who, but, but what it says, what, before you help someone heal, make sure they're ready to give up the thing that made them sick. And so people hold on to their stories and it becomes their identity and you have to show them a different way and ask them if they're ready to write a new story. And so, so you ask what drives me, this is like helping people connect dots, realize that it was, you know, what it was this whole time, that there's nothing wrong with them really, and that they can write a new story. So we're talking a lot about writing a new story. And for those that haven't picked up on this yet or, or haven't, didn't catch it, um, Norman is a hypnotherapist. And I think there are some things that a lot of entrepreneurs and business professionals even, because we're so ingrained into life that we don't know about certain things like this. Like when somebody hears hypnotherapy, they think hypnosis and then they immediately go to Anthony Cools in Las Vegas who makes a fool on everybody because they have, it's a, it's a comedy show. I think it'd be a good idea to explain what hypnotherapy is and what it isn't um, because I've actually had it done and it did help me get through a pretty rough spot in my life. It, it wasn't complete. I should probably do some more of it. Um, it wasn't complete, but it certainly helped me get past a few serious blocks that I was dealing with at the time. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving an idea of, because this whole thing about understanding the story is exactly what we did. Understanding what part of the story I was digging into and holding on. And, and, and trust me, I had meat hooks in this sucker until the therapist that I had helped me understand. Um, yeah, so long as you got the meat hooks in there, nothing's changing. Yeah. And it's it really is you 
um, that has to make the choice. It's not, it's not up to the therapist. The therapist can only help you see it and figure out what to do. The therapist is not the one in control of you. So if you would, just a, a, a good overview of what it is and what it ain't. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to give you the, the written explanation from the American Psychological Association. Even better. Hypnosis is a state of inner absorption, concentration, and focused attention. It's like using a magnifying glass to focus the rays of the sun and make them more powerful. Similarly, when our minds are concentrated and focused, we are able to use them more powerfully. Because hypnosis allows people to use more of their potential, learning self-hypnosis is the ultimate act of self-control. I was taught that there are three things that are necessary for a hypnotic, hypnotic modality. Uh, uh, authority, mm -hmm. a doctrine or a paradigm, mm -hmm. and you have to feel something. So let, let's go over a couple of examples. Please. A lab coat and stethoscope, mm -hmm. the medical books on the wall. Mm -hmm. Do you feel something when you go to the doctor? Not Do I feel? Not a good place to have your blood pressure taken. Nope. <laughs> white coat syndrome, right? So, okay, so medicine is hypnotic. It's a mm -hmm. hypnotic modality. How about this one? Uh, a collar and a robe. The black book. robe? I, 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 oh, yeah. Heart rate's going through the roof if it's a black robe. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, but, <laughs> no like a, a white collar and robe. Uh, the, the good book. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's book. another one. That's a, that's another feeling. Yep. You, know, you feel something in church? Yep, so you sure do. That's a hypnotic modality. Really? Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So let's look at something mm. closer to home. Um, doctors Fauci and Burks, mm -hmm. uh, virology and epidemiology. Yeah, you feel something when you watch TV with all the reports about COVID. Yep, yep. This is a hypnotic. I mean, people are in mass hypnosis right now. So, <sighs> hypnosis is brother. That was a, that was a huge statement you just made. <laughs> I know. Busted on your nah, nah, you won't. But we're. <laughs> I'm not Mark K and I'm, I'm certainly not Dan Bongino. So I think we're okay at this point, <laughs> but, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And it's, I would go beyond that. It's anybody that can put out that kind of information that creates a modality, whatever yeah. that may be. Well, that's right. So you got to have authority. So look, you see that you see, yeah. I yep. got certificates on the wall. Yep. The doctrine or paradigm is hypnosis and do and people feel something they feel moved and uh, to write a new story yep. so so there are many there are many avenues i'm very uncomfortable by stage hypnosis it makes me uncomfortable yeah. it serves a purpose to show people how powerful it is and to entertain them yeah it's most people's introduction to hypnosis i think it's silly and you know it really i, I honestly believe that's dangerous to introduce them through that modality mind you it is for entertainment i get that part but is that really what you want to leave the people that are being introduced to it with yeah. as a feeling of, yeah, I don't want to be looking like a monkey again. That's what I have to make everyone understand that it's not a loss of control. You're not going to cluck like a chicken. You know, the therapy part is, is the important part here is that uh, the hypnosis is an avenue toward change. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, I believe that if people really settle themselves down with the proper frame of what it is and what it's not, it'll be easier for them to be open to, to at least taking a look at it. Cause 
how many people do we know? I mean, geez, you and I can walk down the street. We can see it in people's gates when they walk. You know they've suffered some kind of trauma, and you know they're hanging on to something. We just don't Everyone, know what. Yeah, trauma can be a bitter disappointment. Everyone's yeah. trauma, right? So, yeah. but you know, our society makes them a victim, and so I don't understand that part. That's the part I don't get. I know. So here's here's an important piece. Victor Frankl, who was a Viennese psychiatrist, Man's Life for Meaning is the book he wrote, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, His famous quote is, between stimulus and response, between action and reaction is a space, and in that space lies your power, because you get to decide what kind of human being you want to be. Now, if you react knee-jerk, you just leak your power. And that's what people do today. They leak their power. Oh, it's his fault, her fault. It's society's Mm. fault. You know, and so rather than take responsibility, it, it's, and so when you don't take responsibility, you leak, with that responsibility goes your power. Yep. So what I remind everybody is how powerful they are. You know, Joseph Murphy, the power of the subconscious mind, you really can do and be anything you want. I think, I swear accountability has to be a, a part of that formula because I think a lot of people have, in, in what you just described, in that space is where the accountability also lies. You're accountable for what you decide to, to, to take as far as an action is concerned, or not, if you decide to not take an action. It's still a decision. We were just, I was just talking about this on a, on a previous podcast we just did. Your accountability matters, and what you decide is what you're going to be accountable for. Now, whether that's self-accountability or what I call general accountability, which is everything else outside of that, your, your choice is going to affect something someone some outcome and it's going to either be internal external or both what do you want that to be and i i see in today there's way too many that are trying to make the accountability external the blame keeps going away to everything and everyone else and it's like no you still have control of you what you decide to do is going to bring you an outcome and if you continue to blame your out, your external factors, now mind you, in some cases, there's some things that are out of control. I get that. But you don't have to stay there. No. Everything in the external world is illusion and not in control. The only thing that you have control over is your inner world. And when you master your inner world, you can master the outer world. I, and there, there we go back to self-hypnosis, et cetera. Yeah, um, yeah that's, <laughs> that's huge, man. Thanks for saying that. I, yeah. I, that actually... That actually just confirmed a few things for me. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. You know, another modality, another hypnotic modality might maybe closer to home for you is Ho'oponopono. Ho'oponopono is something that hasn't been done in a while. I probably have to go back home for that one though because there's a whole process behind that one. Um, well, forgiveness, I use forgiveness and I do radi- I make people do radical forgiveness. When I, when I categorize their, their traumas mm. and I, you know, one of the hardest things I do, there, there's so much abuse of children. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. like sometimes I, I get emotional after a session and I, yeah. just, I have to allow myself to you know, just you know process I, yep yep yeah. yep and, uh but I you know I, I have to help them write letters of forgiveness and it's a it's a progression it's how could you you son of a yep yeah that's the first letter I forgive you second letter is I get it you were just being you it has nothing to do with me I forgive you sign. And the third one is, ah, oh, <laughs> you've taught me pain and suffering and I'm better for it, even yep. though it's a, a karmic consequence to you. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. I forgive you. So 
Anyway, so forgiveness is so huge because when you're mad at someone, who does it hurt? Yeah, uh, only you. It doesn't hurt them. That's nope. just that's just renting your head. Yeah, they don't even know you're mad at it. Like, no, no. In fact, most times they go through life not even caring either. So it's like, yeah, it's done. I forgot about it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't bother me. Yeah. So carry this baggage around. Yep. It it manifests in body syndromes. You know, unexplained back pain carrying the weight of the world. Unexplained yeah. leg pain can't run away from your problems. Unexplained arm pain can't fight your way out. I there's a good another good book. The body keeps the score. We're gonna eat, we're we're gonna have all of these guys in the in the comments. So hang in there for that. Um, we're gonna take another thirty second break. Yes, we're moving that fast. Um, we're gonna take another thirty second break. Break. Bleh, bleh, bleh. And your tongue holds what if you can't if you can't talk beyond that. That's, <laughs> uh, and when we come back, we're gonna talk a little bit more about what Norman's up to now, what he's planning on, and where you can find him. So hang in there. And we'll be right back in thirty seconds. Okay, we're back with Norman Plotkin here on Java Chat. The last section of our of our podcast we always like to talk about what's norman up to now <laughs> where's where is he going next are the what things are on the horizon um obviously you have a successful practice which is wonderful uh you've written a book and, and we'll definitely put the link for the book down below uh for those of you that want to get a copy um i'll i'll definitely be wanting a copy uh and, and of course the other books that you've mentioned too but what are you doing these days where are you at and you know how's your how do people find you if they want to find you? I mean, like you've obviously got something there that's of, of definite value. Yeah, I'm in. I'm back in Sacramento, and I'm I'm doing this uh, and, and loving loving it every minute of it. I just wrote my second book, uh, Mastermind, oh. Mastermind, Master Life. Nice. And, uh, it published in July, and that was uh, an effort to try and introduce people to hypnosis and hypnotherapy in a way that's not jaded like. Hollywood or the thank you aid show right so they so overdo it dude it's not even funny I as I know right so um you know trance has been used for as long as humans have interacted the uh chemical medicine is only a hundred years old yeah which doctors are the witch doctors uh yeah for 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 a reason yeah so I give the history of trance and um, what science says about it. Because until modern times with functional MRIs and other measurement tools, mm -hmm. it was all anecdotal. Yeah, and it, it was. Largely attributed to the persuasive powers of the hypnotherapist, and that's not really what, what it is about. So, uh, and then how people can apply it in their lives. So that's Mastermind, Master Life, and I, uh, had wanted, I had wanted to write that book for some time, and I'm really glad it's out there now. Now, That's the one that you got done in 90 days? That one I did. I wrote in. I wrote it. I went to my buddy's house in Tahoe for five days. You knocked it out in five days? Yeah. Bruh. And I took Congrats. a couple days off and I went back and, and tightened it up. So it was about a 10-day process. and uh, But I thought about it and I had outlined it and I knew exactly what I wanted to write. So That's was, awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm, I was hoping to get the second one published this year. But it's been a crazy year or so. Yeah. What I'm yeah. working on now is a book. It's going to be called The Compass. And we are moving from, we, this is a really, really critical time. 2020 has been really, really weird. Not, not by chance. Okay. We're at the end of an epic. Yeah. The epic of Pisces is ending. The materialism and Newtonian mechanics and the um, 
patriarchy of the last how many ever hundred years or so 2500 years or so yeah. is ending and we're we're coming into the age of aquarius and instead of uh wait so the song was early the what the song was early they've been singing about it since the 60s <laughs> exactly it was the fifth dimension saying as it was that's right the age of the aquarius yep. so it is it's the, this is the it was dawning then it's now sunrise and oh there we go okay so all right it's marked by instead of materialism uh energy yeah so instead of newtonian mechanics quantum the quantum field mm -hmm. and instead of masculine conflict duality feminine and collaboration yeah and singularity yeah, yeah. Right? that's start i'm starting to see that i get what you're saying so it's really important that men understand how to survive in the coming age because if you bring and let me I mean, women too i mean mm. you know women, look at women politicians they try and outman the men they don't run on their strengths. No, they don't. That's kind of weird, actually. Isn't it weird? That they is odd. Like a man. So in the coming age, the first woman president will be a woman who runs on her feminine gifts of compassion and intuition and and creativity and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so the compass, so I'll give you an example. If you dropped a man and a woman into a forest and uh, uh, um the, the, the woman had a compass and the man had a machete. He would hack and slash and hack and slash and oops, wrong way, hack and slash, go and knock down the whole thing. And he said, well, we went the wrong way. She says, I could have told you that. Now, that was the old era. In the new era, take that same man and woman, drop them into the forest. And the man says, which way? Yeah. Yeah. And so he- Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that men are actually going to finally start asking directions? Holy I, shit. I <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to get lost. I know. <laughs> I, I still see them doing it. Some, some of the. <laughs> well, see, that's why, that's why my next book is more important than any, any so far. Well, right? We're going to have so, to figure out how to get, get you back on here to talk more about that book then for sure. And we can see if we can help promote it and stuff because yeah. that's, that's invaluable to me. Emotional intelligence is going to be the key to survival in the coming age. Understanding and being intelligent about your emotional responses are going to be and if you don't you're going to suffer it's interesting there's a couple of friends that i have online that that um i haven't met in person but we've had numerous discussions right around this subject um of emotional intelligence <clears throat> and how there are so many that are still stuck in the old days of just being you know the the, the 800 pound gorilla that comes in the room and swipes the whole room clean um what an analogy but it, i've also noticed that there seems to be a movement and it's not the one that's blaring out in, in the media about all the junk that's going on. Yeah. It's an underground movement of this emotional intelligence starting to wrap uh, around and into life, slowly but surely. Um, and it's not, gen it's not a generational thing. It's just happening. Um, there, there was this, There's all this talk about, you know, uh, one world and I'm not talking about the one world order uh, or the new world order whatever the heck they call that. that that's not what I'm talking about but a one world that works together using emotional intelligence and the ability to collaborate and the ability to build something beyond what humankind has been able to do individually 
And I think interdependence, um, I may be wrong, but this is what I've been seeing. Interdependence seems to be becoming a greater reality as time goes on because people are finally starting to see where it's not working and where it can work. And they're starting to gravitate toward it. At least that's, I don't know, am I, am I, am I catching that right? Or am, is that what you're seeing or? I, I am. And it is, so along with this change, this, trans, mm -hmm. this transition, it comes literally the ascension from three dimensional to fifth dimensional. So interesting that it was the fifth dimension that was saying, yep. the age of Aquarius. Yep. And what does that mean? The three dimension is height with depth. Mm -hmm. And that's the world we live in. Yep. The fifth, the fourth dimension includes time. Yep. Time, time is disappearing. It's moving fast. Time is a construct of humans. And we're moving quickly through the fourth dimension and into the fifth dimension, which is energy. Yeah. And so the, many of us, there's a spiritual and emotional unity. We are all one. There's a, you know, Jungian uh, uh, collective consciousness and archetypes we all are connected that's why this whole thing about six feet of separation is so troubling that's where my heart energy picks up your heart energy okay. yeah i, I <clears throat> i'm well familiar with that whole thing when they started saying that i was like you're trying to separate humankind what are you doing you, you can't do this to people exactly. and, they're, and they're saying well six feet is where the virus and i'm like no it's not that's two feet that's yeah. three feet we don't yeah. spit that badly I know. So there are forces that want to uh, um, hinder this movement, but the, it's, you know, the movement is. It's never going to uh, stop. You can't, you cannot stop what human nature will ultimately evolve into. Forget it. And the evolution is coming. And so like, I lead a, I lead a group meditation on Saturday nights. Oh, cool. We'll need it. We'll need a link to that if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. And um, so um, it's, you know, the Maharishi effect is when collective action, the people come together and they meditate in large numbers and they can lower crime and increase health. And uh, it's, it's true. And it's, there are studies that, that have, uh, that affirmed it. And so when, when enough of us come to this singular place, we'll lift the others. It just, we have to get to critical mass. And so um, and that's the hardest part is they're trying to keep critical mass from happening and, it, and they've been very good at it. Uh, exactly. Because the manipulation, you know, it's lucrative. Um, and, and the struggle, the struggle is real. I, I haven't owned yeah. a television in five years. So here's what happens. Same. <laughs> I, I meditate and I, I'm quiet and I'm still, and I ascend and I stay in a place of love and compassion. And then the 3d world tugs at my pant leg. Yep. Now uh, there's something that gets me you know, riled. The course of miracles, they're in your heart space. It's either love or fear. Yep. You're either in love or fear. Yep. And you, at any moment during the day, I do check-ins and to say, am I coming from a place of love or fear? Yep. Staying in a place of love is ascension. Yeah. And fear is third dimension. The, vi the vibrations are, are completely different. The frequencies are completely divergent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's still that tug of the 3D world on us uh, no matter how so it's maintaining the practice being consistent practicing with others the, this is what's and then when enough of us get there one of the things that 
and and I'm I'm kind of looking for this maybe even a confirmation bias thing. One of the things that I I like to try to reaffirm, especially with people that get what we're talking about, um, has to do with when you're vibrating at that higher frequency. What other things actually become, or what other things trigger awareness when you're there versus when you're here because here seems like there's a million and one blind spots here it's i swear it's like you're on you're on the top of a mesa with a panoramic view a 360 that you could see anything and and from there make a conscious choice of what looks right and what looks what looks not right not bad but not right and what make what might make more sense for you to progress towards? Does that does that make sense? Total. Wayne Dyer said, "When you change the way you look at things, the things you see look different." Completely. So, uh, do you have a website? You do. www.normanplotkin.com. Cool. And are you full up on your on your clients right now, or? Uh, always room for new clients. There's always room. Okay, cool. So, if you guys want to find him, all of the links are going to be down below. Uh, from the, for the books as well, for the books that he mentioned, for the people that we're talking, we, we get all of this down there in the comments for you. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you hit the bell too, so you know when we get more amazing people like this to come in and hang out and give us insights and cool stuff to to chew on. If you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, thank you for doing so. Make sure you download or subscribe. If you're listening on Anchor, feel free to give us a little bit of a support. We appreciate every little bit for our little podcast here uh we want to thank you again norman for coming and hanging out uh me personally too you you, you gave me some great reminders i really appreciate you sir uh for your wisdom uh and your insights it's been a pleasure and i'm grateful for the opportunity awesome and so you know you guys know how we love to end this we love every one of you every one of you that listens every one of you that watches makes a comment asks a question we really appreciate you. Thank you for doing so. Please continue to do so. Share this out with somebody. Somebody out there is going to be wondering about this kind of subject. You might have even had a conversation with me. Give him a share. Give it a like. Give it a comment. Ask a question. You know, he, he's going to get the links to this too. So if you ask a question, good chance he's probably going to answer. Um, we love all of you. Thank you very much for doing so. Stay up. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And live. For Norman Plotkin and myself. Ciao for now. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.